The following audio is from Morningstar Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio. For more information about Morningstar, visit MorningstarDayton.org. So, hey, but we're, we're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, we're going to talk about moms today. Um, it makes it kind of easy, right, because it's Mother's Day. Uh, do, you, do we have the photo? All right. All right, so... Here, I wanted to share this photo. All right, so this, that strikingly beautiful lady, that's my mom. And you may or may not recognize the, the young man that she's holding. Um, that's her favorite son in the world. That is, uh, that is me, all right? Uh, this, this picture was, I was probably seven or eight years old, but I love this picture because it just really, this embodies the heart of a mom. Uh, the story behind this is our family had a lake house uh, out in a place called Somerville, um, like, like Somerville. And we would go there a lot and go fishing and camping. And there was a house. We, you know, we have bonfires all night long. And what was great about this place is it was really close to Brenham, Texas. And if you don't know the importance of Brenham, Texas, shame on you. Because Brenham, Texas is the home of Bluebell ice cream, okay? Um, those of you been around long enough, you know that my affinity for Bluebell ice cream. But it's there. So we would go camping and fishing. And then we would go to the Bluebell factory and tour it. And the greatest thing about the tour is at the end of the tour, you got to have ice cream. And I loved it as a young man growing up. And so uh, we were always going there. And so we were there and there was a fire. We had a fire going. And there's something about little boys and sticks, okay? Little boys love sticks. And my boys love sticks. And why? Because a stick can be a sword. It could be a spear. It could be a bow and arrow. It could be a gun. And little boys use their imagination. They just pick stuff up and they start playing with it. Well, there was a stick by the fire that was shaped like a gun. And I wanted to play with it. And, but my pawpaw, for those of you who don't speak Texan, that's my grandfather. My pawpaw said, no, John, it's hot. Don't, don't touch it. But I really wanted it. And so I reached out and I picked it up and I burned all my fingers. And so you see I'm holding a wet rag on my fingers and my mom is holding me because the first person I ran to when I got hurt was mom. Because moms love. And they're just, when, when you want comfort, you go to mom. When you want love, you go to mom. When you want someone to baby you or cuddle you, you go to mom. And I just love that photo, and I, and I, and I love my mom so much. And this is Mother's Day, so hopefully you've gotten your mother or your wife a, a gift. If not, it's too late. Um, but you better take her out to the most expensive restaurant you can find because it's that important. The National Retail Foundation says that they estimated this year that over 25 billion dollars would be spent on Mother's Day. That's a lot of money, but I'm going to be the first one to tell you, not near enough, okay? Now, look, not so we can over-commercialize it anymore, but here's the deal. How much have our moms done for us? How much have they sacrificed? How much have they just poured their life out for us? 25 billion sounds like a lot, but that's not near enough. Um, the retail, uh, the carsdirect.com says that um, Mother's Day is a huge holiday for the flower industry, that so many flowers are bought for today um, that it accounts for 25% of the flowers that are sold throughout the year. The only day that beats it is Valentine's Day. But imagine, 25% of the flowers sold in the whole year are sold on today, because it's a big day. And, and I don't know if you ever heard the phrase momisms. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Right. Momisms is stuff moms say. All right, so I know my mom watches this every week, and so I have compiled a list of my mom's 
momisms to share with you, okay? And here's the, what's funny is a lot of these are universal. You're going to hear somebody's like, I heard that, or maybe some of you this morning, like, I'm guilty of saying it, okay? So let me just share this with you, so bear with me. Just humor me, all right? Um, laugh if you must, or just ignore me, either way. Um, so one thing my mom said all the time was this, just wait till your dad gets home, right? Because that was the, <laughs> you knew what that meant, right? Um, or my mom used this one, and I'm guilty of using this one even recently, you're going to get it when we get home. Now, the word it could take on so many different meanings, okay? It did not mean popsicle, all right? It usually meant something much worse than that, all right? Um, a lot of you might have heard this one before, too. If you fall and break your neck, don't come crying to me, right? You heard that one? Maybe you used that one? My mom told me that. Look, John, I told you to stay off the roof. If you fall and break your neck, don't come crying to me, right? Okay, well, I don't know how, but okay, all right. Um, you keep making that face. It's going to stick that way. Um, the other one I heard a lot was, I, we, we had a lot of trees, and I like to play with axes and stuff, and I heard this one. If you chop your foot off playing with that axe, I don't want to hear about it. So I can just imagine me back there and just chopping my foot off and be like, my sister's trying to rush me inside. Go, I can't go inside. Mom said, don't, she doesn't want to hear about it, right? So, but she don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Um, this one, you probably heard this one. You're going to shoot your eye out. You're going to put your eye out. This is my favorite, one of my favorite ones. You'll understand when you have kids. How many of you have used that one? Be honest, right? All right, you'll understand when you have kids. Right now, if I talk about my kids in a sermon or if I put something on Facebook about something my crazy my kids are doing, my dad will text me one word, payback. That's all he texts me. He just texts the word payback. I'm like, I know exactly what you're saying. All right, um, this one is, were you raised in a barn? Right, or we're not air conditioning the whole neighborhood, which is, means shut the door. Um, you're not leaving the house looking like that. Another one my mom would say is, I'm going to knock you in the next week, okay? <laughs> I don't know how, but I'm going to knock you in the next week. That usually meant she's had it, right? Another one was, uh, my mom loved making grits. I hate grits. If you ever make me a meal, do not make me grits because I will graciously and kindly hand them right back to you because I hate them. And I know I've heard it all. Well, no, you're not eating them right. You got to put cinnamon on them, brown sugar on them, butter on them. You got to doctor them up good. But here's the deal. If all I'm tasting is cinnamon, brown sugar, and butter, then why do I need the grits? I'll just mix together a bowl of cinnamon, brown sugar, and butter, which actually sounds really good right now, and eat that, all right? Literally, when I would try to eat grits, it made me start to gag because I, I don't know something about it. I just hate the texture. I hate the, the flavor of it. And my mom would say this, you're going to eat your grits. I don't care if they make you throw up. But then we went in this vicious cycle at our table because I would take a bite and I would go like that. And mom would go, don't you gag at my table. But I got to eat my grits. You'll eat your grits. But they're going to make me throw up. I don't care if they make you throw up. Don't gag at my table. It's like this vicious cycle. Like, mom, like, I hate it, but she would say that. You'll eat what I fix and be happy about it. And the last one she would say is, I'm going to wash your mouth out with soap. All right? How many of you have ever had your mouth washed out with soap? You know what I'm not seeing? A lot of young hands raised up right now. I'm thinking we need to bring this back. You know, nothing like a bite off the ivory soap to set someone straight, Right? My mom didn't put up with sassing. Sassing is Texan for talking back to your mom. So that was just not going to happen. And so there was a bar of soap. And you get to bite ivory soap and it like coats your teeth really good. And you're tasting that for hours. It does taste better than grits. But, <laughs> but, because at least it has flavor. But anyway, listen, I, <laughs> we love our moms. And, and you're here today because you have a mom. 
Think about it, okay? So you're here because you have mom, and not all of our, mom, our moms aren't perfect. I love my mom dearly. My mom's not perfect, and, and a lot of us can probably, maybe you struggle with your mom. Maybe you didn't have all that great, great of a relationship, but we have moms, and we need to honor them today. And I know some even today are at a place where you're unable to have kids. Maybe you've, you've tried and you've tried, and God just isn't, hasn't blessed you with a child yet. And I know some of you, you're here, and your children are all grown, <laughs> And they're raised. And some of you moms, bless your heart, you're right in the middle of that stage of raising them right now. And we want to honor our moms today. Salary.com says that a stay-at-home mom's wages right now, as of this was last year's, would be $143,102 a year. <laughs> Even more if you're, a stay, if, you, if you're a mom and you're working outside the home because you're balancing all kinds of stuff then. But here's what they said on this, on this website. It says that as a mom, you can put these things on a resume. Because you're either an expert at it or you're really proficient at it, okay? So here's, moms, listen up. Here's the things that you can take care of, all right? Ready? Housekeeper, cook, daycare center teacher, facilities manager, computer operator, psychologist, counselor, janitor, van driver, laundry machine operator, chief executive officer, bookkeeper, event planner, party planner, general maintenance worker, groundskeeper, interior design, logistics analyst, nutritionist, plumber, staff nurse, also including personal shopper, a buyer, athletic trainer, photographer, social media marketing manager, academic advisor, tailor, recreational therapist, coach, tax accountant, judge, teacher, tutor, travel agent, and the list goes on and on. So if you're a mom and you don't have those on your resume, go home and put them on now, all right? Because the website says you can do it and everything you read on the internet is true. But anyway, so, but think about it. How many things do you juggle as a mom? I can't make toast and take care of my boys at the same time. Like that's a struggle for me. But a mom, you guys do so much, and we just want to honor you this morning by talking about the heart of a mom, the heart of a mom. And I want to walk through, we're going to look at a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 1, and there's a story here of a guy named Elkanah and his wife Hannah. Elkanah and Hannah love each other, and you can read that, that how much he loves his wife and how devoted she is to her husband. But the problem with Elkanah and Hannah is they can't have children. They've tried. And they're not able to have kids, and it bothers Hannah a lot. And, and because in that culture, to not, to not be able to have kids was a big deal. So much so that that culture says that a man could then go and get another wife to be able to have kids with. But that was never God's plan. God was never cheering that on. God was not pleased with that. But Elkanah did just that. He went and got another wife and had many children with her, but he loved Hannah. But in the middle of all this, Hannah is hurting. There's a conflict in her heart. And here's the deal. Hannah at this point is not a mom, but Hannah has a mother's heart. And you're going to see that as we walk through this. And the first thing I want to see here is, the, is Hannah's conflict. Look in verse 1. It says, There was a man from Ramathiam Zophim in the hill country of Ephraim. And his name was Elkanah, son of Jeroam, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. Verse 2. He had two wives. The first name Hannah and the second Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah was childless. So we see that background is right there laid out for us. It's setting the stage for everything. Go down to verse 6. It says, her rival, talking about Hannah, her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her. Because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. And whenever she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way every day. 
year. Now, the, the, the story there is this, is once a year they would go to where the tabernacle was. The temple wasn't built yet. And they would offer sacrifices and they would have a celebration and they would have a feast. And what it's saying there is not only did she have to live in the same household with Penina, but they would travel together once a year that was supposed to be meant as a celebration and a time of offering sacrifices. And yet Penina would use this time to taunt and just bully Hannah. And it says in verse 7, whenever she went to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way every year. Hannah wept and would not eat. It bothered her so much she just wouldn't eat. Verse 8, Elkanah says to Hannah, Hannah, why are you crying? Her husband Elkanah asked, why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So sidebar real quick, dads, husbands. Elkanah made a really bad choice in what he did. Uh, Matthew Henry, the Bible commentator, says this, that oftentimes a man is beaten by the rod that he creates, which means it's most of the time it's our fault. But here's what he did. Even though he knows he messed up, he lovingly and tenderly tries to comfort and love on his wife. Hannah, why are you crying? Hannah, don't let it bother you this point where you're not eating and you go into depression. Like, that's not good. And he says, am I not good enough for you for ten sons? Like, I love you that much. Look at the next verse. Verse 9, Hannah got up after they ate. They ate. She didn't eat. And ate and drank at Shiloh. And Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's tabernacle. And look at verse 10. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Look at verse 10. I want you to focus on that for just a minute. It says deeply hurt. This is internal. This goes deep. This is like deep in her, the deepest part of her soul and her heart and her being, she's hurt so bad, deeper than sometimes a person can even really vocalize or explain. The Hebrew word where it says uh, in the end of verse 10 where it says she wept with many tears, that Hebrew word is bacha, bacha. It's repeated twice. And what it means is, it means like it's, it's such a deep hurt that you can't even describe it. You've got to use the same word twice to just show you how deep and how hurtful and how worried and how sorrowful she is. It uses that word just talking about the anguish that she was reaching out to God in. Hannah's not a mom yet, but she has a mother's heart. Why? Because moms worry about their kids, right? Moms stress about their kids. They long for them to do right. There's some moms here today that are heartbroken in conflict over a child that has wandered off from God. Some may have children in prison or even addicted to drugs or some may have a child that's going through a marriage breakup or maybe somebody has a child that's just strayed away from how they were raised and there's a hurt that's inside that's hard to explain and that longing and that desire and that anguish and that pain that's in our hearts. And that conflict is real. Even, even moms of young children here this morning, that conflict is real. The questions then when their children are young is, when will my baby sleep all night? When will my two-year-old stop being such a demon, <laughs> right? When will stuff in my house stop being ruined and destroyed by spilled things, throw up and poop? Like, when will we have nice things again? When, why is my child struggling with grades? Why won't my teenager listen to me? Conflict seems to come and be part of the territory of being a mom. Even if things are going well, there's still conflict of worry, isn't there, moms? What about the future of your child? Where are they going to go to college? Where will they move off to? Who are they going to marry? What are they going to do with their lives? 
Will they make an impact for God on this world? Will they, take, will they walk away from the faith? Young people, listen to me this morning. Your moms stress and struggle and pray and pour their hearts out to God over you. This is not a thing of, well, my mom just doesn't understand. No, your mom understands, and she understands what the world and what the devil wants to do with your life. It just comes part of the territory. Mothers today, I want you to do this. I want you to take heart and be encouraged. You're like, that doesn't sound like the point to be encouraged, Tom. You're talking about conflict. Not because conflict is fun or that you enjoy this internal conflict, but be encouraged in the fact that you're not alone in this. Lean on one another, disciple and encourage one another, pray for one another. In fact, I encourage you, moms, listen to me, especially some of you moms that are older, maybe your kids are up and grown, find a young mom today, find another mom, put your arm around her this morning and tell her you love her and you're praying for her. Tell her you're there for her and mean it. Like actually be there for her because you need each other. You need to support one another and encourage one another because there's not a mom in here that doesn't have some kind of conflict in your heart worrying and praying over your child. The second thing about Hannah this morning is her prayer and commitment. Look back in verse 10. It says, deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. In verse 11, making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of hosts. Some of your translations might say Lord of armies. If you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. Hannah had a loving husband, a dumb husband, but a loving husband, right? He tried his best to show love to his wife, to try to encourage her. But we don't have any record of Hannah having a friend who could love and support and encourage her. In fact, we have the exact opposite. We have Penina at home berating her and making fun of her and causing pain in her heart. They go on trips and she just can't seem to get away from her. It's always there. And we don't have a record of her having a close friend to help love and support her. And she's left alone in this internal conflict. So where does she go? And what does she do? Verse 10 says she's prayed and she, to the Lord and she wept with many tears. This is a genuine, heart-wrenching, soul-emptying type of prayer. And moms, this morning maybe you've had this type of prayer before. This is not a God, please meet my needs. Oh, and by the way, thank you for the food type of prayer. This is a prayer that's prayed from with the bounds of a true relationship with God. And some of you are here this morning and you can't claim to be able to pray prayers like Hannah prayed. You know why? Because you might not really have a relationship with God. That God sent his son, Jesus, to die your death and my death to pay for your sin and my sin. So that, not so we can have a good life here on this earth, but so we can have a relationship with God himself. So we could talk to God like Hannah talked to God. So we could pour our lives and our hurt and our longing and our wishes and our desires out before God. So the question then under this is what do your prayers sound like? Have you fallen into the trap that many Christians fall into of praying these very robotic and forced, repetitious type prayers? Or do you pray sincerely? 
Do you pray from the rawness and the realness of life? Understand that God knows your heart and sees your need. I can only imagine this. Like, God knows our heart. He knows the depths of our hurt. And I can only imagine him sometimes as he listens to our prayers going, wait a minute. I know how much you're hurting. And I know, I know how broken you are. And I, but your prayers, the words came out of your mouth, are not matching up with what's going on in your heart right now. Because we forget, those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we forget that we have the very entrance and and the ability to go to the throne room of God and talk to him because he's our heavenly father. There's no more temple with a veil separating us. There's no more things we have to do. We give our life to Christ. We ask him to forgive us. We ask him to save us. We give our life to him, and now we have direct access to God. It's time to start praying like that. So I start praying in faith. So be real. Stop faking your prayer life. And you were like, okay, well, where are you getting that? You want to see some real and some very raw prayers? I encourage you. In fact, I challenge you, go to the book of the Psalms and start reading some of the prayers and songs of David as he pours out his heart before God. They're raw. Moms, don't give up on your prayers. Take your prayers to God and pray from the depths of your soul. Look in verse 16. Just jump ahead. We'll come back to it. But verse 16, she's talking to Eli, the high priest. She said, don't think of me as a wicked woman. Why? She said, I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. I don't know about you, but this really brings conviction in my life on the way I pray. I'm praying from the depths of my anguish and my resentment. And she pleads to God. She prays in faith and asks God, God, if you, if, and I love it, she calls herself servant twice in that verse. She said, if you look upon your servant and if you give me a son, I will give back the son to you. And some have actually criticized this, criticized Hannah as bargaining with God. Hannah wasn't bargaining with God. Hannah was asking in faith for God to meet a need. And she says, if you meet this need, I'm gonna take the blessing you give me and I'm going to give the entire blessing back to you. This wasn't Hannah praying and asking God to help her out of a bad situation. God, if you just get me out of this, I'll never drink again. Or God, if you just get me out of this, I'll never smoke again. It wasn't, it wasn't Hannah saying that. It's not like that person playing the lottery saying, God, the $800 million lottery is up. If, I win, if you let me win this, I'll give you 10%. <laughs> God, I'll give you 20%. Okay, I'll give you 30 but don't ask too much of me, right? That's not what Hannah was doing. The promise was this. She says, God, if you give me a son, if you meet, if you do this. And by the way, she wasn't saying, God, if you don't, I'm not going to serve you anymore. She says, God, if you look upon your servant and you find it necessary, if you find it and it's in your will to give me a son, I promise to give that whole blessing, my son, back to you as a living sacrifice. Not very, this is totally different than what was going on at this time where she was living, where people would have a baby and then offer that baby and kill their baby to the god Baal or god Marduk. This was not what she was saying. She's saying, I'm gonna give my child as a living sacrifice back to you. I'm gonna hand him over to the Lord. She didn't say, God, I'll follow you forever if you just give me what I ask. She just promises, God, if you do this, if you find it in your will to do this, I'm gonna give him back to you. The third thing about Hannah this morning is her perseverance. Look in verse 12. Hannah is right now outside the tabernacle on the steps and she is 
She is pouring her heart out before God. Look in verse 12. While she was praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her lips. Eli was the high priest. Hannah was speaking to herself, and although her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard, and Eli thought she was drunk. Look at verse 14. And he scolded her, how long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. Verse 15, no, my Lord, Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. And Eli responded, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the petition you requested from him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way and she ate and no longer appeared downcast. Here's Hannah crying and praying that wept sore, wept bitterly, wept many tears. It's, 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 I, all you say is baka, baka. That's all you can say. That's, that's what she's doing. She's just pouring her life and her heart out to God. And here comes the high priest. He's sitting uh, by the front doorpost of the tabernacle. And he walks up to her as she's pouring her heart out to God. And he scolds her and yells at her in front of everybody, why are you drunk? How dare you be drunk in front of the tabernacle? Stop drinking. Put away your wine. How embarrassing that must have been for her. I'm just praying. I'm, I'm not drunk. I'm just praying out to God. In fact, verse 15, she doesn't respond by yelling back at Eli. She says, I'm a woman with a broken heart. And I'm just praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. You ever find yourself in that position before? Like things are going so wrong and you're in so much pain and anguish and here comes someone and starts talking about you behind your back. Or maybe even the well-meaning person comes up to you unsolicited, like you didn't ask for their opinion, and just tells you all the way that you've been doing your, wrong, your life wrong. Hey, let me tell you where you're messing up, all right? Like you're totally jacking that whole thing up. Like you are totally in the wrong. I, you shouldn't have done that. Or maybe they tell you they did it so well and here's where you went wrong. Maybe someone outright accuses you of something without knowing the whole story. And that's Eli, the high priest. <laughs> Just calls her drunk in front of everybody. Some of you maybe even this morning have been hurt by someone at church. Maybe you've even been hurt by the church itself because they were so quick to pass judgment on you instead of joining you in prayer. For some of us, we, we get to that point where we're pouring out our lives or our souls to God about something and the enemy is going to come and distract you. The enemy is gonna come and discourage you. He's gonna try to steal your hope. He's gonna try to steal your joy. Some of you this morning might be tempted to stop praying for your prodigal, for your wayward child. Some of you are so broken and you're so sad and you're so in anguish, you're tempted just to say, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna talk to them anymore. I'm not gonna try to intervene in love in their life anymore. Some of you are tempted to throw in the towel when it comes to restoring your marriage. Some of you are tempted to give up on God, to give up on church, or to give up on sharing your faith. Church, look at me. Everybody look at me. This is so important. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Ever. Pour your heart out to God. Pray to God. Actually start having conversations with God. Dive into his word. When pain comes along, you go deeper and lean even more into God. When anguish starts to well up in your heart, you don't give up. You don't quit. You go deeper. You pour out your heart even more to God. You don't stop. 
No matter who or what shows up in your life to try to discourage you, don't ever give up. And Hannah doesn't let this horribly embarrassing moment stop her from reaching out in faith. And what I love is, later on, we see God actually gives her a child, and this hurtful moment doesn't stop her from fulfilling the promise that she made. It had been very easy for her, after God blessed her with a son, saying, I remember what Eli did to me. He embarrassed me. He called me a drunk. I'm not giving my baby back to God. But she didn't let the hurt stop her from doing what was right. Eli made a mistake. The man of God made a mistake, and Hannah responded respectfully by pleading her case with Eli. And now here's what I love. Then she turns around and gives it all back to God. Verse 19 finds Hannah and her husband right back there worshiping God together. Look at verse 18 again, though, at the end of 18. It says, then Hannah went, Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer appeared downcast. Hannah hands it all over to God, the, the sorrow for not having a child, the hurt from her husband's other wife, the embarrassment from Eli, and she takes all of that and she lays it at God's feet and then she leaves it there. She leaves it there. How many of you this morning are still holding on to things that are hurtful, that are painful, you don't like to think about, you don't like to deal with, but they always seem to be that cloud over you? This morning, maybe God has you here for no other reason than to let you know you got to give it to me. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. Now, does it mean your life's going to be just super easy? No. But it means that Jesus is shouldering that burden because he loves you. And some of you might be carrying the guilt of sin in your life and regret and shame. But he died for that, to take that from you. She turns it all over to God, and then she goes and she eats. And she doesn't appear depressed anymore. And the very next day, she's worshiping there with her husband again. Moms, dads, young and old alike this morning, give it to God and leave it with him. Stop carrying that. And the last thing this morning is this, is Hannah's dedication. Look at verse 19. It says, the next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to bow and to worship the Lord. And afterwards, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In verse 20, I love it. it says, after some time, we don't know how much time, a year, two years, six months, we don't know, but it says, after some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son, and she named him Samuel because she said, I have requested him of the Lord. And then verse 24 says this, when she had weaned him, she took him with her to Shiloh as well as a three-year-old bull. Two and one half gallons of flour and a jar of wine. Though the boy was young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Verse 26, please, my Lord, she said, as sure as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. Verse 27 says, I prayed for this boy. And since the Lord gave me what I asked for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he bowed and worshiped the Lord there. Hannah has Samuel, and about three years later, after she's weaned him, she takes Samuel, 
she brings him to Eli. And I love what she says in verse 27. For this child I prayed. She prayed for him. She continued to pray for him. There is something powerful about a praying mom. There's something powerful about a mom that prays. My mom prays for me every day. And every now and then she'll call me and she'll say, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today. And she'll even say, I pray for you every day, but I want you to know I'm praying for you today. And you know what's amazing to me is that the times that she calls me, she doesn't know this, but those are usually some of the times that I'm having a rough time with something. And to have my mom call and say, John, I pray for you every day and I'm praying for you today. Don't ever discount your prayers, Mom. There's power in prayer. And she takes Samuel, she dedicates him to the Lord, and she leaves him with Eli. Look in chapter 2. I'm just going to look at the first two verses. This is Hannah's prayer after the dedication of Samuel. She says this, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. I love that. And that verse gets even better. There is no one besides you and there is no rock like our God. This mom is so amazing. Hannah is in a place where she was crushed in conflict. She prayed and acted out in faith, even in the middle of ridicule, and she trusted in the Lord. She followed through with her promise and dedication to God, and now she has even seen God move a mountain in her life, and her heart is overwhelmed with the awesomeness and the power of God. And God goes on in chapter 2, and he blesses Hannah with three more sons and two daughters. What an amazing passage that reveals the heart of a mom. So moms today, we honor you. We honor your prayers. We honor your commitment. We honor your love and your affection, your tenderness and your openness. And I hope everyone today, whether your mom is here with you or maybe your mom has passed on, today is a day we think back and we thank God for our moms. We praise him for them. And maybe you're here this morning again, you're like, man, I didn't have such a great relationship with my mom. What I love is the Bible says that he can be the father of the fatherless. He loves you. He can provide that for you. So we need to turn to him. Some here today, maybe you long and desire to be a mom, but for some reason God hasn't granted that. For others, your children are grown. And they moved out. I encourage both those groups, those that long to be a mom and those whose children are grown, you have a mother's heart. Reach out to find somebody to pray for, someone to hurt for, someone to sacrifice for, someone to teach, to love on, and to mother because there's those all around you who desperately need this type of love. A love that God placed in the heart of a woman. We honor you. Let me have you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning for just a moment. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions about Morningstar Baptist Church or today's message, visit MorningstarDayton.org and choose Contact Us.